Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Techspansive. I am Sean Dubrovac from Avrio Institute. And I'm Ross Rubin at Radical Research. We're going to jump in with a quick discussion off the bat, looking at uh, some of the things that are doing well as we continue to stay home and, uh, and social distance. We've seen a rise, and this is something we've talked a little bit about on the podcast already. We've seen a rise in a number of tech categories in recent weeks. Um, well, desktop growth has, has slowed relative to some of the other categories, notebook and uh, Chromebooks continue to do extremely well. Communication technologies continue to do extremely well. We've seen uh, even premiums on webcams and other things like that is now everybody- A category that uh, had been left for dead. That's right, that's right. Yeah. Now, now we all have to get on to uh, dozens of Zoom calls a day, it seems, and so everybody wants to have the best webcam that they can get. Uh, printers and ink especially doing very well as you can imagine as we all transition to home offices we're printing things out as if we were in the office I suppose so you've seen that and, and that may be influenced by children being at home as well and, uh, and yes. pr printing out school packets I know that I have printed out a number of packets when we were our schools were closed for a couple of weeks before they started distance learning and uh, I printed out some, some educational packets and other packets to help there. So I could see that, uh, that doing well. And then, uh, you know, game consoles, I think, and, and other things like that. I know that um, I saw game consoles, especially portable game consoles, doing quite well early on. And probably that's, uh, that's probably in part because uh, people are reluctant to buy the home consoles because they're both set for a, a major... Uh, upgrade uh, toward the end of the year. Yeah, and I think when you're in a home with multiple kids, you're trying to create enough uh, different devices so that everybody can have something. So if somebody's already on the main television or the only television with right. uh, with their Xbox, then you've got to find you know the the switch or something else that they can use. Uh, and we probably are going to see another couple weeks of this. I mean, I think that uh, by all accounts, it looks like. There, well, there is a big fight going on between the states and the federal government right now about when and they're going to open and who has control over <laughs> when they'll open. But I think that uh, businesses will make their independent decisions, and I think they're looking to uh, probably stay stay closed here for uh, at least a few more weeks, if not a few more months. Uh, yes, and uh, I was thinking about the printer sales that you mentioned, which was a little curious to me until you brought up the point about kids' homework, and it's true. Uh, our son has asked us to scan things that he has, worksheets that he has completed because they want to see things in his own handwriting and don't want things to be filled out online. But uh, another reason might be that people who might have otherwise gone to uh, some kind of print center, uh, a FedEx office, to print out their... Uh, whatever they need to have printed out, those places may be closed or, or inconvenient uh, at this time. In fact, just recently saw a commercial from the UPS store uh, yesterday, uh, reminding folks that they're open and all these services that they can provide for you while, while you're working remotely. Yeah, it has been interesting to see how quickly the advertising has shifted. Uh, 
you know, there was a period where I think a lot of advertisements that were probably in the queue were canceled because they weren't sensitive to the current environment. And now it feels like everything is talking about uncertain times, disruptive lifestyles, Mm -hmm. new way of doing business, new way of living. And it feels like everything is Mm -hmm. uh, a new approach that the companies are by your side and therefore, you know, there's this whole new approach to, to advertising. I, I have noticed that too. I, I've also been impressed by the speed of the reaction, although in some cases it, it hasn't worked quite so well. I, I think it's worked well for telecommunications companies, uh, for car companies. You know, it's been about, you know, just in case you're interested in buying a car now, you know, with the economy struggling and you not going anywhere, you know, we're offering <laughs> 80, 84 months of financing. Um, but but the, the most, um, the most, the, 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 the biggest non sequitur that I saw was from a, a retailer, uh, an office supply retailer, sending you know, normal, regular marketing email where the subject was something like, we're in this together, save 25% this week. <laughs> it's just like, we can't wait. You know, hey, could someone please edit that, that subject line to make it seem like we're empathizing with people? So, uh, so yeah, that was, uh, that was that. Well, you've seen some really interesting things. Anyone. I, I, I'm yeah. sure you've seen like the Stakeum Twitter um, where they've, you know, kind of taken on this new role. And, and it seems like there's been some really interesting uptake of, of Stakeums. I'm seeing reports of Stakeums being sold out across the country because of huh? uh, their new Twitter follower mm. followership. So that's been interesting to watch too. Another story that... Uh, kind of relates to advertisement. Quibi launched this week and early results suggest that it was a pretty good first week, 1.7 million downloads. It's hard to really know just looking at one week if that's going to be maintained. And uh, Ross, you mentioned as we were jumping on the call that there's a number of um, promotions in place for people to, you know, to try it out. And so there's probably a lot of experimentation uh, probably everybody's also done with the third season of Ozarks or that they're either have watched the Tiger King or are not going to watch the Tiger <laughs> King. So they're looking for well, Westworld, uh, Westworld season three started recently. Yeah. So, yeah, so I guess uh, people, I, uh, I mean, I, I watched a, f- a few things on Quibi uh, this week. I really enjoyed the Will Arnett series, um, Memory Hole, looking back into uh, wacky things from his childhood in the 80s. Uh, and I've just started perusing some of the, the other series. Uh, the content, seemed, some of it seems to be okay. Uh, you know, it, uh, I think one, one of the things I've taken away from Quibi is that you know, even in the environment that we're in, it's kind of amazing that you can tell a compelling story in less than 10 minutes. And, and one of the things I was skeptical of was uh, when the service was first announced, will you be able to transfer learnings from the mobile gaming market to mobile video, right? So uh, a lot of the mobile gaming was designed for this snack size session of five to 10 minutes. And here was Quibi saying, you know, that's that's where we want our video sweet spot to be under under 10 minutes. The rotating screen thing, I, it's just kind of gimmicky. Video just looks better in uh, landscape orientation. Sorry, 
uh, buyers of the uh, Samsung Cero TV or whatever <laughs> that portrait TV that they bought uh, came out with at CES. Uh, but um, uh, but the storytelling is is pretty good. The ads are not that intrusive, you know, because if it's only ten minutes, I think it would be a mistake for them to start, you know, doing mid-roll uh, ads. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it's been a good good launch, a good mix of content. The one of the disappointments for me has been that that show, uh, the um, the Will Arnett show, you know, they rolled out an episode every day for about eight days and then they're done. Yeah. You know, that's like the end of the series, which is kind of weird. Uh, and I've seen other criticisms saying, oh yeah, it would be great if you could cast it up to your big screen TV in the living room. Uh, for me, the big test is going to be, uh, and Sean, you mentioned the, the limited trials, uh, for, for example, T-Mobile customers, they get it free for a year, and then they have a very difficult choice to make. They have to decide whether they want to keep Quibi or Netflix. So even though Quibi can talk all day long about how they're a unique offering and they're offering something different than HBO and Netflix and Prime and you know, all, all these things, at the end of the day, you know, there are only so many dollars, and, and T-Mobile is essentially setting up this, this confrontation uh, at, uh, at the end of the year um, af after Quibi launches. So it's hard for me to see many people giving up Netflix for Quibi, but we'll see. Well, it's also, uh, there's, there's a lot that they are trying to do with Quibi. And they're obviously rethinking what episodic content is like. They're rethinking mm -hmm. uh, how release schedules should, should influence viewer ship and, and other things like that but they're also making a bet on the future of how we're going to watch content and for a very long time we have been sitting around screens with groups for them for the most part i mean there probably is a lot of of content that you're watching by yourself but there is a lot of shared content that we watch uh, together with our families or our children or or someone else and so um, and Quibi is making the bet that you're going to want to watch it by yourself on your phone when you can. And, and really the, the use case scenario pre coronavirus was you've jumped into an Uber, you're headed home or you're right. headed out to meet friends uh, online and, somewhere. Yeah. Right. Watch a quick episode and then, you know, pick it up again on your ride home or the next day or whatever. And, and that's not uh, the case now and not the case for a few more months. They did announce that they were going to accelerate plans to have the app cast to televisions due to the, the lockdown that we're in. So mm -hmm. we'll see if that changes it. And we've seen a lot of companies having to pivot as a result of, of uh, the current dynamic and what will linger here for the next few months. And then also how that might influence our behavior after that. Uh, and uh, there have been, so first of all, to your point about this uh, group watching, uh, Netflix had launched an app <clears throat> a week or two before Quibi launched, uh, focused on that, on synchronized viewership. Uh, I forgot what it was called uh, off, offhand, but uh, I hadn't heard much about it uh, after the launch. Uh, but there, there have been uh, some other apps launched recently uh, from from Facebook, from their new experience uh, group that has launched a, a number of things in the past that uh, haven't uh, 
really really caught on. But but two of the ones that they're focused on now, one is a an app for couples, um, and and it seems that Facebook has been trying for some time, ever since the privacy scandals launched uh, two years ago, to focus on smaller and smaller groups. And this is about as small a group uh, as you can get, a, a group of two. And the idea is to check in on each other, see how you're doing, have a private space. Uh, in terms of, you know, if you're concerned about Facebook knowing the intimate details of, of your life, uh, this strikes me as something terrifying, potentially. <laughs> but uh, if, um, you know, the, and, and there are also some alternatives uh, for these kinds of apps. There's an app called Between. Uh, there's an app called Discreet uh, with a K that's focused sort of more on intimate message and video sharing. There's um, one called Avocado uh, that um, I've, I've seen some, some folks using. So uh, th this strikes me as an example of Facebook seeing something that has been launched almost as, as a response to it and trying to capitalize on that and, and muscle in on what has so far been, been a niche uh, option. Um, What's your take, Sean? Well, I think Facebook is clearly been committed to this move, and mm. so they're experimenting. They're experimenting right. well, with that's what this group is about. Yeah, yeah, they're exper experimenting with Tuned. They launched the new Kit uh, Facebook. I'll call it a platform that plays to Apple Watch users, and it's all about getting these small groups. Sometimes it's just a couple. Maybe it's something bigger. Uh, to to communicate and stay connected, and they're and I think they're they're watching how we communicate. They're seeing how we interact. Uh, another popular app that's uh, that's growing in popularity is Marco Polo, which allows people to essentially respond in a small group environment using videos. And so it's almost like a an Instagram story or Facebook story, but rather than the stories all coming from the same person, it's coming from the other individuals in the group. And so they tend to respond with very quick video responses, and and it creates a, a, a you know an asynchronous mm -hmm. uh, group conversation. And I think that's you know if you think about what's happening across the board here in all of these things, it's the, where is the the line between synchronous media consumption and synchronous communication and asynchronous communications. And so a lot of these apps are, are designed around uh, busy individuals who want to continue to be connected and, and communicate. Mm. Netflix party, by the way, was, oh. was the app I was thinking of before. Uh, speaking of busy individuals, uh, we have continued to see a flurry of activity around Amazon. Uh, now saying that they are planning to hire another 75,000 employees on top of or beyond the 100,000 that they were recruiting for just uh, weeks ago, it seems, and have already lined up, which actually probably is not surprising given the widespread uh, layoffs and furloughs that, that we have uh, seen take hold. Uh, and uh, an interesting, despite all that, uh, all, all of that activity, uh, a court in France now ruling that Amazon has to, I guess, do a better job or be even more restrictive when it comes to emphasizing essential, uh, emphasizing essential product delivery to the point of excluding 
delivery of non-essential items. And um, we, we spoke a bit about this slowdown and gap uh, in the last podcast and discuss what, what some of the potential uh, reasons behind it are. At least in this case, the rationale is that the court is reasoning that Amazon cannot keep up with the demand without endangering warehouse workers. In other words, you know, you need a huge number of warehouse workers in order to keep uh, delivery of these products flowing smoothly. And the concern is that if Amazon is hiring all these people and having them work in close conditions, it is uh, it, it could create public health issues. So, um, but Amazon says that they have managed to keep up with both essential and non-essential products and uh, preserve the you know health environment of uh, of their warehouse workers. Um, you know, there, there's of course been some outcry, but it's not as if we've seen uh, stories of huge outbreaks being, uh, being uh, take, taking hold in their warehouses. Uh, so at least not that we know of, at least not that <laughs> right. Of. Well, and then they have, uh, kept a, a pretty tight lid on the employees as, uh, a few have been dismissed for expressing concern uh, about Amazon's practices, although not necessarily about the warehouses. Uh, you know, some have been about Amazon's ecological footprint, uh, and there have been some, ramifications for that but uh well and there's there's building momentum i think among the employees to take advantage of these type of opportunities to improve their yes their uh their like the like the minimum wage hike yeah yeah yeah. benefits generally across the board and i think amazon has been very swift at least it appears that they have been very swift to try to uh, stop any of those movements. Now, we did see kind of early on the agreement to provide certain benefits to all of their warehouse employees, but I think they mm. don't want that to be a, a, a flood. Um, and I think they probably are trying to manage really unique um, supply chain dynamics as well. So, you know, one of the things that we know is that the commercial supply chain and the consumer supply chain are, are relatively separate. And so mm-hmm. uh, a number of companies are, are working to move some of the, the materials and the supplies that go through traditional consumer chan- uh, commercial channels and put them into consumer channels. I mean, obviously, things like toilet paper, a great example where it, the product is different, it's packaged different, you know, and is there a way to then move some of that production capacity towards what is being bought by consumers for their their residential homes. And I'm sure Amazon has this same problem where they probably fulfilled orders for a number of businesses. And so they have a lot of commercial product that they have historically delivered that they're probably not delivering now. And and at the same time, they had significant jump in orders for residential and, and commercial grade product. We saw mm-hmm. that they stopped accepting Amazon Fresh uh, customers. Right. Uh, so they're, at least here in the U.S., they are trying to balance the demand for uh, for all goods with the ability to deliver essential goods. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think overall, uh, you know, they, they've certainly been one of the companies, and we, we talked about this last week, 
where they really have to walk a fine line. And it's, yeah. it's kind of crazy how they have almost become, uh, I, I was going to say national infrastructure, but, but infrastructure in, in many countries uh, around the world. And this just seems to be a, a reaction to that. Yeah, and we talked about that last week where where they have contracted directly with Canada to deliver yes. uh, deliver goods. So it, I think the Amazon that comes out of the other end of this will be a very differently structured Amazon. I think they, they have probably learned a lot about um, not only themselves and optimizing supply chains in these type of dynamics, but I think they probably have also learned a lot about consumers and what they mm. buy. And uh, you think about everything that people have, have gone to purchase in the last few weeks. Amazon now has a much better understanding of what's going to be in demand in these type of environments and, and probably is going to look for the type of signals that will trigger these type of orders again in the future. And I think they'll, they'll ramp up that particular piece of their supply chain as those events unfold. One of the uh, questions we had, I think, when all of this got started was, how would Amazon react to this idea that it's been so synonymous with near instant delivery and always pushing on that envelope, trying to get as close as possible to think think of it and it arrives to yeah. uh, a, a situation where you might have to make, wait weeks uh, for an item. And it seems to me that they've managed that well. You know, people are continuing to rely on them. Uh, I think with so many of the disruptions that have been caused by this virus, uh, people have generally been pretty patient uh, and understanding of the constraints that businesses are under. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, it seems that uh, we'll, we'll see what the fallout is with some of these warehouse policies, but unless there's something boiling there uh, that we're, we haven't been aware of, you know, they seem to have been managing it well. Yeah. I, at the same time, I've noticed where when I've gone to buy certain what are deemed non-essentials, Right. They, uh, they have much longer lead times, weeks sure. of lead yes. times. And so I have turned to other retailers, mm-hmm. specifically Walmart seems to have benefited from this. And, and I know that I personally have ordered things from Walmart in recent weeks that were still able to deliver within narrow windows. And so um, I, I think that, um, you, you know, this has been a chance for Walmart to highlight their supply chain capabilities as well. And, and they've been thinking about supply chains for a very long Forever. time. I mean, yes. in many ways, they defined the modern supply chain and they uh, several times broke it apart, broke it down and rebuilt it for new environments. And so I, I could see them being big winners, especially their e-commerce business being big winners after this. Were these the kinds of things that you would normally expect to find in stock at a Walmart store, were they things where they obviously had to, you know, reach back and, and then online only items that you, you wouldn't normally associate with Walmart? Well, it was things that I would normally turn to Amazon for because of prime delivery. So it's things uh-huh. like books, commodi- okay, commodities, okay. essentially. So commodities, not yeah. really specialized things. Okay. Yeah, books. Gotcha. Uh, my son bought a new mobile phone. He, uh-huh. okay. as, as you know, he's been working at uh, Wegmans at the grocery store. 
throughout this and they're paying him extra as a result. So he is uh, parlaying the, those new funds into a new phone. And um, when he needed a new case, he looked on Amazon and saw these really long lead times. I said, you know, pushed him to Walmart, Walmart, which was able to get it there in two days or whatever. And so um, I think Walmart will, will have greater market share among what I would call some of those commodity products mm -hmm. in, in the future. Things like, um, and, and maybe it isn't quite enough to uh, to drive it long term, but um, that is now my strong second go to. If if Got anything it. looks like it's going to take a long time, or you know, if there's any type of issues with an Amazon order, I'll just immediately turn to to Walmart. And I think that's one of the things that Prime had built up for a little right. while was that you're not even going to Google anymore. You're just going straight to Amazon and placing the order. A, uh, a new take on what had traditionally been just price competition uh, right. where Walmart had uh, certainly built its, its business. So yeah, so we'll and, see how much of that survives. Yeah. Well, and I think it also shows just the total volume that Amazon has seen and Walmart right. has announced uh, that they're hiring as well. I don't think, to quite the mm. extent, but Walmart has their, you know, has their own distribution network built out where, um, or, or excuse me, Amazon has their own distribution network built out for last mile delivery where, where Walmart is still relying on common carriers like UPS or, right. or FedEx or whatever. FedEx. So um, they're different business models for sure, but it'll be interesting to see what they both look like in the months ahead. And we will certainly continue to, uh, to track that evolving story. So uh, I think that about wraps up what yeah. we had on the plate for today. Um, I'm Ross Rubin. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Rubin. And I'm Sean Dubervac. You can find me on Twitter at Sean Dubervac. And uh, we both hope you continue to stay safe and healthy. <laughs>